Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. From the Palmetto Swamps, to the Piney Woods, to the Oak Flats, you're listening to the Louisiana Bowhunter Podcast. You're listening to the Louisiana Bowhunter Podcast, presented by Scree Gear, and we have a big sale to tell you about with Scree. They are doing a pre-Black Friday sale, and many of you that shop online probably already know that you get some of your biggest savings around the, the Thanksgiving and holiday seasons where we have Black Friday and Cyber Monday and all these big online sales events. Well, we're getting Black Friday pricing to start out November, November the 3rd through the 8th, pre-Black Friday sale, save up to 65% off site-wide on pretty much everything. It's a uh, kind of a tiered discount system. Different uh, items will be at different discounts applied automatically at checkout. So if you're looking to get geared up, getting into hunting season, deciding you need some new hunting gear, Lifetime warranty, VIP sizing guarantee, excellent customer service, and all of those things that we talk about all the time at Scree Gear. And we encourage you, as always, to follow them on social media, subscribe to the YouTube channel. You'll get a chance to see a lot of the products in the field and gain a lot of information about those products to help you make an informed decision on what kind of gear you might need. And so save big with the pre-Black Friday, first week of November, November 3rd through the 8th. And shop online at ScreeGear.com. So, we've made it to the end of October. Levi joins me, and Colin is on as well. What's up, guys? Howdy, guys. What up? So, we're, um, so, so. I was expecting Ola. Ola? We didn't get Ola that time. Ola? Ola. Um. Ola, yeah. So, all right. I just thought of this. And, and I wonder, especially when we have guests that are on the on the podcast and they're listening in before we introduce them and maybe new people. I wonder how many people have any idea what's really going on in that intro. Oh, yeah. So it's mosquitoes buzzing, and it's somebody who's trying to get their thermocell to light because obviously it's Louisiana and we have a lot of mosquitoes. So uh, we've talked about that before. Like when we first did that intro a couple years ago, Kyler did it, and we were like, it's obvious to us, but I wonder if yeah. it's obvious to everybody. It's a good point. I don't know. I don't know either. Um, but I don't know why I just thought about that <laughs> while the intro was playing. I have um, – I want to ask you guys to give me kind of an update on 
how the season's going for you. I can quickly give you an update. I haven't hunted. <laughs> um, so <laughs> I haven't hunted. I'm doing hunting-related stuff, but I haven't actually hunted. I don't have a story to tell. But this, this, this episode will drop on October the 28th, and it'll be the last episode that drops before Halloween. So, drum roll, please. That's not the drum roll, my bad. That's not really a drum roll either, but the drum roll, best Halloween candy. Best Halloween candy. We're not going to do it in a three-tiered system because we're not going to keep our guests waiting for 30 minutes while we argue about Halloween candy, but I am going to ask each one of you to give me your top three Halloween candies. So, Levi, you go first. Oh, man. You can put me on the spot like that first. Uh, you can't say honey bun. <laughs> no honey buns. <laughs> okay. No honey buns. Uh, probably, do they still make the Reese's pumpkins? Oh, yeah. That's definitely going to be, that's definitely going to be number one. Diabetes and an orange uh, wrapper. Yep. The, the white chocolate ones. Mm. Reese's pumpkins. Okay. Definitely up for debate. So, and, uh, is that number one or is that number three? Because I told you to give me three. Um, the I'm gonna say the white chocolate ones are one. Okay. The regular chocolates two, and then probably gonna go with candy corn. I'm a big candy corn guy. Uh, Colin. Yeah. What kind of garbage snacks do you like? Like, <laughs> come on. I mean, my number one candy, and 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 so this has mm-hmm. to be number one on my Halloween list because it's not often there, and when I get it. I'm like, that is somebody's on their Halloween candy game. And that's really just any kind of gummy bear. Mm. It doesn't have to be a I bear. Was coming. It can be a worm. It can be whatever version. But gummy fruit snacks of any kind, they're not often put into the Halloween uh, buffet. Yeah. So when I get them, they're yeah, great. Cause they're, yeah, because they're terrible. The <laughs> other thing that I really like, <laughs> they're not terrible. <laughs> no, they're not. You bought like... $25 worth of gummies on that turkey hunt we went on a couple months no, ago. Those were like, those were uh, sour. But they're still gummies. Worms. They're still, they're no, still gummy. They just got sour on top of them. All right. So that's my number one candy. My number one Halloween candy, because I only ever really see it as Halloween, is the little, it comes in a blue wrapper and it's basically a Tootsie Roll, but it's vanilla flavored. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Those, those mm, are, yeah, those are good. Really, really good. All I, the, like, the flavored, yeah, Tootsie Roll ones, like the red wrappers. The... You never see those except yeah. Halloween. I don't anyway. Like I found one in an old Halloween thing the other day in the pantry from the kids, and I was like, oh, yes. Yeah. So um, and my number three, hmm, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to break the trend because I like chocolate. I have nothing against chocolate, but chocolate is just too low-hanging fruit. I'm going to go because, because every now and then I get in this mood and um, – Smarties. Ooh. Smarties. I don't ever eat Smarties unless I'm digging through Halloween candy, and then I'm like, ooh, a Smartie. That'd be, that's awesome. Yeah, it's like, it's almost like a lot of the Halloween candy is not like your everyday gas station candy. It is, and it's 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 candy that you don't ever get except Halloween time, and then, you know, the yeah. time leading after Halloween when you're scraping. Just wait till you have kids, Colin. You're gonna, yeah. Your eyes are going to be really... Oh, give me you can, three. You give can me tell three. a lot about a person about the kind of Halloween candy they give out. That's true. That's true. That's very true. Um, number one would be the... Like the little sour patch straws. Mm-hmm. The green... That's in the gummy category. It's in the family. That's like the uh, yeah, red, I'm more, redneck I'm, cousin. Yeah, I'm more family. sweet and sour versus chocolate. You just reminded me. I think I'm going to put the, the little flavored Tootsie Rolls... Mm-hmm. At two and three, hmm, maybe just like a Butterfinger. Butterfinger. Like sticky, a good Butterfinger. Sticky teeth candy. Yep. Hmm. So, do y'all like, is there a period of time during hunting season following Halloween where you have Halloween candy in your hunting bag? Nah, not me. Not me either. It's not tradition for me, but. Having kids and having had kids doing Halloween for like the last 12, 13 years. There, some in there, there it happens sometimes. Like if I'm going, if I'm getting ready to leave the house and go hunt and there's Halloween candy laying around and I'm like, ooh. Trying to get rid of it out the house? 
So just yeah, bring, or it just catches you... it just catches my eye, so I just kind of throw it in there. But I bet oh, I know this. I've been to a bunch of hunting camps that are candy loaded for like the two or three weekends after Halloween because everybody brings all their candy home. Yeah, like take it to the camp and get rid of it, kind of thing. Yeah. Well, the problem is in Louisiana, if you got a lot of chocolate, you put it in your backpack. It could be eighty-seven <laughs> degrees in November. So <laughs> December fourteenth. <laughs> yeah, and all your freaking candy melted, why, and you got chocolate on. That's why you eat gummy bears. I'm just saying, they don't melt, <laughs> <laughs> and they don't squish. And they don't squish either. Cannot, <laughs> they have good dexterity. <laughs> they have great I can't dexterity. Gummy bears with your number Dude. one pick. Are those even sold in anything outside sold. of like a three pound bag? Yes. Yeah, so at Halloween, sometimes you get these little single packs, and it's only got like six or seven gummies in it, but it's uh. like a little small like, size of a business card. And it's like a sampler pack of gummy. Mm. They got all of them. The Welch's, like every brand does that. And But people don't buy them enough. So this is a public service announcement. Like if you want to be a better Halloween candy giver, you need to invest <laughs> in the sample size gummy packs for your Halloween give outs. Okay. So, but the only problem with that is you end up like, that. that is a big tease. Like big tease. Because you can't just eat six gummy bears. Like yeah. that don't work. By yeah. just wipe them out in no, one. Yeah, absolutely. And that, and I'll say this too, and I'm not going to prolong this conversation any longer. But you get the little sample size Skittles at Halloween, mm-hmm. and it's the only time of the year that I eat Skittles. Mm. But Skittles I'll, are good. I like Skittles, but I never think to eat them. I don't ever come across them. But they're always those little sample size packs in Halloween candy. Yep. And so I like I'll, the I like the sour Skittles. Oh yeah. Just tear your mouth up. I don't up. know that I've... Yeah, just... I mean, that's worse than Captain Crunch cereal. <laughs> Captain Crunch cereal is like eating razor wire. <laughs> what? You're going to go buy Captain... I've heard that description. Have you ever eaten Captain Crunch cereal? Dude, yeah, the roof, the roof of your mouth... like eating razor wire. The roof of your mouth feels like somebody got in there with a belt sander. <laughs> I've never heard that. You're both going to try it. Both of you are going to be in the grocery store, and you're going to be let me get some of that Captain Crunch, see what he's talking about. And you'll know. All right. Well, so I got a a giveaway. So let me remind everybody, the October giveaway is the new Gridlight Scree jacket. It's, uh, if you've been checking out Scree, the, what was the Lost Peak jacket, which is kind of like a, Early season slash midweight grid fleece pullover full zip jacket. They've kind of redone it and renamed it Grid Light, and it's really, really nice. Colin and I both got ours uh, not long ago, and, and I think you're really going to like it. So for our October giveaway, so basically what that's all about, if you haven't heard or haven't followed along, every order placed online at LouisianaBowHunter.com gets thrown into a drawing on November the 1st. Every order placed in the month of October thrown into a drawing and if you make multiple orders you get multiple entries in the drawing but we're going to draw a winner on november the 1st they're going to win a grid light jacket and any of the louisiana bow owner hats that we have in stock at the time of the drawing and those would be your choice and on the grid light you can get summit camo solace camo um or the new olive drab green or ash brown solid color jacket either one of those so we're going to do a drawing on the first of every month during the season for the preceding month all orders placed during the month get in the drawing and uh, we'll announce in november what that drawing prize is going to be for november that'll be done on december the first so be looking for that be looking for info in more info info information on the film contest i hope you guys are filming and uh kind of prepping and making plans for that There'll be a lot more info with that coming out more towards the first of the year as we kind of start drawing near because those won't even be due until weeks after the season to give everybody time to edit and produce their films and all that kind of stuff. But uh, we're still building a big, really nice prize package for the winner of that. And um, you can go listen to, I think it's episode 91, uh, called uh, the episode of the podcast is called Show Us Your Hunt with uh, Hunter Brown, and we talked in detail about the rules and and the contest so go check that out i'm fixing to throw another uh little thing in here so levi posted on our story earlier today a uh if you if you if you're active on social media you see people are photoshopping these halloween costume images 
and they're just you know doing funny stuff. Like they'll put a picture of somebody, and like in the in the details on the packaging, like it includes all these items that are you know just making fun of whatever that person is. So if you're good with Photoshop, you don't even have to be good with Photoshop. This is an easy one, but if you can edit images. I, I want everybody to, between now and Halloween, create the funniest Halloween costume image that you can think of. It's like a meme. It's like a meme, basically. So you can make fun of Colin if you want to. We don't have a problem with that. You can make fun of... Uh, <laughs> just the cameraman. Just the camera guy. Like, the one that Levi posted on our story, if you want an example, is, uh, is joking about crossbow hunters. You can do whatever you want. Whatever you want. The funnier... And obviously, the more it pertains to Louisiana bow hunter, I'm gonna give somebody a free hat. So between now and Halloween, y'all submit those to us. The funniest one, we'll pick the funniest one, and we'll submit a new hat. With the rising cost of goods and record high inflation, wouldn't it be great to save money on your auto insurance? With most companies in Louisiana increasing their rates on auto insurance, American National took a rate decrease. We look out for the best interests of our clients and look forward to earning your trust as well as your business. Call or text Jake Slocum at American National Insurance at 318-255-0096 today for a free assessment. Jake Slocum, American National Insurance, more than just your insurance provider. You're on your way to your stand early in the morning and you have an accident. You run off the road, total your truck, your bow, guns, and hunting gear damaged, maybe totaled as well. True or false, your auto coverage covers your bow, guns, and hunting gear that got damaged. False. Your homeowners or rental coverage has content coverage that extends to this event. To find out more, call or text Jake Slocum at American National Insurance at 318-255-0096 today for a free assessment. Jake Slocum, American National Insurance, more than just your insurance provider. We got some new hats coming. Uh, they should be. We're restocking some of our our. Uh, more popular items and we got a few new designs coming we're excited to share with you that will be happening anytime now probably next week or the next week so be on the lookout for that and um it's almost november colin and i are leaving on tuesday november the first and headed to kansas for a couple weeks well we're headed to kansas and then we're just going to be hunting wherever hopefully we don't have to take two weeks to kill a deer but we'll see what so we have um, on a podcast, we're going to get to our podcast guest here in just a minute. Mr. Joe Scott from B3 Archery is going to join us and talk to us a little bit about B3 and the products and kind of his background and um, do some listener questions, let him chime in on that. Um, before we get to Mr. Joe, do y'all got, y'all got anything going on to tell people, any, any update on the season thus far? Between, I don't have anything. I told y'all about Flip's Deer last year. I mean, last week. That's about all I got. Um, um, go ahead, Levi. Go. Ahead. Um, I've I've seen some deer, seen some does. Uh, I had a shooter show up on one of my cell cameras. Um, first he showed up in the afternoon on one camera at like four thirty, about a week and a half ago. He showed up the next morning, same camera, like seven thirty, eight o'clock. That. That next afternoon showed up at like four thirty, five o'clock. Like, so I went back in there to go hunt him, and of course he didn't show up. And I've had one picture of him since. So you scared him? He just kind of probably the hunting. Probably, yeah. Probably. What you got? Um, I. So where I hunt, the hogs are a serious problem, and. I kind of got fed up with them. I've tried a bunch of different things, but I put up a like a, a hog like hog panel fencing and around a feeder to try to keep them out, and it worked. I uh, I was kind of leery at first. I figured that it might take the deer a while um, to to feel comfortable to jump in and all that, but. Literally within 24 hours, they were in, the hogs are out, so I'm very excited about that. I hunted yesterday evening and saw five different bucks, all small, I mean, no shooters, but it's, and they're all still together, so, I mean, it's good to see that the deer are moving, so. Yeah. Hmm. 
Well, I don't have any stories to tell, and I don't have anything on camera, so I'm just looking forward to going back to Kansas where there's a lot of deer. So all you do is just eat all fall and go to Kansas and hunt? You don't hunt in Louisiana anymore, or what? I hunt. I, I mean, I kind of. <laughs> I mean, I'm going to come hunt with you. <laughs> I'm going to. Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> maybe. I don't know. Yeah, if, if, flip, if Flip lets you. If Flip lets me. <laughs> No, I don't. I just don't. I, I actually, we had the little cold front last week, and I was gonna go hunting, and you know how how it goes. Oh yeah. Don't every every day that there's a south wind and it's hot, I've got free time. I can slip away and hunt, and then when a cold front comes, I've got things to do left and right, and I can't get away. So I was actually gonna go hunt. I actually went and checked the stand, made sure everything was good, and then an hour later, I get a phone call, and I'm booked up the next day so that's how that went but yep. we're getting there i'm waiting on my food plots to grow man we need some rain it's bad food plots are, need some rain food plots are rough hey it's brian chamberlain with movement mortgage we're happy to be back for a second year supporting louisiana bowhunter just want to let you know that we're here for all of your mortgage needs whether it's a purchase a refinance a renovation loan or to take equity out of your home We're also an equal opportunity lender, so whether you shoot a crossbow, a compound bow, a fixed blade, or an expandable, we're here for all of your mortgage needs. You can reach us at 504-228-3780 or at Chamberlain Team at Movement.com. Movement Mortgage, NMLS number 39179, Brian Chamberlain, NMLS number 114586, licensed in Louisiana, Texas, Mississippi, and Florida. Our guest for the for the podcast is Mr. Joe Scott with B3 Archery. Joe, thank you for holding on and listening to us run our mouths. How are you doing today, man? I oh, know you guys are good. I've enjoyed it. Uh, doing doing all right myself. Appreciate you guys uh, giving me the opportunity to be on here. Excited about it. Yeah, we're interested to learn more about your, yourself and and about B3. So, for people who aren't familiar with B3 Archery, and and just kind of give us a little rundown of, of your background with uh, you know hunting and and uh, with the company B3. So, B3, uh, we make releases, sights, and broadheads. Um, we're we're based in uh, a small town called Clay City in Eastern Kentucky. Um, we we manufacture everything, manufacture and assemble. Um, and ship everything out of one location. Um, I guess we got started right around April of 2018. Um, so we're going on five years now. Uh, it's been, it's been a crazy ride so far. I've enjoyed it. We've built a, a pretty solid team, um, there at the factory. And, uh, you know, this is, it's awesome. It's what I, you know, always wanted to do growing up was make archery equipment. Um, and it's kind of cool seeing that come into life and, and just the team we put together. So I'm, I'm a little bit familiar with B3 and, and to be honest with you, I haven't used any of your products, uh, up to date, but kind of what is, what's some of your, I guess, like flagship products, what it are, are kind of maybe what you got started with or, or, or what bestsellers or something like that. So our bread and butter, you know, and course i'm partial to all of our products they're, they're good american-made products but our bread and butter um is, is going to be our releases it's just something uh you know the team myself uh everybody involved with b3 it's just something we've all done for a long time we've we've kind of got that down to a science uh so we make lots of wrist strap releases lots of uh button releases lots of hinges um you know we've got something for about everybody uh, i would say as far as a flagship model uh probably uh the alpha it's just it's a dual jaw release stainless steel jaws just kind of your your classic uh dual caliper release um and i mean we don't really have a flagship they're all pretty you know fairly popular in their own way um, there's some popular thumb buttons and, and that kind of thing but yeah um they've all done well pretty you know so far so uh, yeah but i wouldn't i wouldn't really say we had a, a flagship model release in particular so did you did did you did you kind of start the company in the release market and then gravitate towards the sites and broadheads or was it all did you kind of get started kind of jump in with all of it? So releases we went in heavy with you know we probably had that first year I would say at least twenty SKUs of of releases already 
uh, sites. It was more like two or three, same way with broadheads, two or three broadheads. And, uh, you know, we've expanded on that release line even more. Um, and that's the same way with the, with the sites and the broadheads. Those gained, you know, some, some serious traction as, uh, we grew as a company, you know, people thought, Hey, their releases are great. Uh, let's, let's go try a site. Let's go try a broadhead. Let's, let's see, you know, how those are as well. And, and they're doing good. Um, you know, we, we've always got room for improvement. We've got improvements we're making this year. Actually, we're working on prototyping and, and stuff like that for next year already. So we're, uh, we're pretty excited for the ATA show coming up to release all the new products and all the improvements we've made. That's cool. Yeah. That's Y'all have exciting. some really, really good looking stuff on the website. Um, I appreciate that. One question. So I just, can you just talk a little bit about like the, the difference between like a cheaper release, I say cheaper, like just cheaper in cost versus and like an expensive one. Is it just the adjustability? Is it the material? What, what is it? Um, so that, that difference is, is really going to be, um, it's mainly in adjustability and, uh, material has a little bit to do with it. For example, you take our alpha versus, uh, our rival, which is the price point version of a, of a dual caliper. So the rival, you don't have the ability to adjust the trigger. Uh, the jaws are made of, of, of aluminum, whereas the alpha, you can adjust the travel in the trigger, and uh, the jaws are made of a, a little bit more durable stainless steel. So, I got you. It's just a combination of different things. And then you also have to factor in uh, you know, how hard is something to assemble, how much time are you going to take on it, um, that kind of thing, whenever you're doing costing and and all that every time that we talk to someone who's in any market and in this case it would be the accessory market it's always interesting for me to kind of dig into your data a little bit because that gives us kind of a glimpse into the market overall so i'm curious on a couple of different things so as far as sales go for you guys what are you seeing more of in styles of broadheads and uh, also, like, as it pertains to different types of releases, wrist strap, caliper releases, button releases, like, is, is there a trend in the market for what people are buying more? Um, yeah, so so broadheads, um, you know, we've got a really cool expandable broadhead design. Um, and we kind of, we came out with a, a pretty neat uh, fixed blade as well, you know, just to kind of have that in the line. Well, it completely surprised us. The fixed blade took off, and it was the, the main thing that that we were selling as far as broadheads go and it still is we, we sell quite a few expandables as well but our destruct fixed blade um has really really been the winner for us as far as broadheads go um but as far as trends on releases wrist strap style releases are still keen um that is changing a little bit um over the past few years you know six seven years there's a lot of guys going to a thumb button style release for hunting uh, whatever reason that is, uh, you know, I'm not sure. I don't know if guys just like to clip it on their, their D loop while their bows, you know, hanging from the stand and, and just letting it hang there. They don't have to fool with it again until it's time to pick their bow up. You know, I, I don't know what it is, but the trend is starting to go a little bit more towards, towards thumb buttons. I'd say it used to be probably 90 10. Now it's closer to 70 30, if I would, if I would have to take a wild guess. Yeah, that was kind of my, I was kind of one of my more, I guess you'd say drill down or more specific questions because I switched to a, a thumb button, you know, four finger handheld style release. It's been a long time ago now, but um, I see more and more people doing it and I encourage people to do it. And I know it's a, it's a personal comfort thing, like so many things with archery. Um, what's good for one may not be for necessarily for the next, but for me, like you mentioned, there's so much ergonomic benefit in a hunting scenario to being able to uh, just clip your release on the string and not have to have that wrist strap attached to you while you're moving around in the stand. Now, of course, you have to make sure you don't drop your release out of the stand because that <laughs> kind of <laughs> becomes a problem. But um, that happens. Yeah, that it does. I've, I carry two of them for that reason because I've I had it happen a few times. But I. I don't know if what your opinion is, and I think that probably the real answer probably has to do with with individuals and their own shooting styles. But to me, I know for me personally, 
it took some getting used to, and I kind of have a funny story about it, but um, I definitely became a better shooter and more accurate with a with a handheld with the thumb thumb button. Is there is is that do you, do you think that that would be applicable to most people, or is that just an individual thing? No, I think that would be applicable. Excuse me to most people. Um, I really do. Now you'll have a certain, you know, rare cases where, you know, there's there's some pro shooters on the ASA and IBO circuit who, you know, swear by a wrist strap style release, and you know, nothing wrong with that at all. Um, but I do think, you know, most people once they try a handheld style release, they're not going to go back to a to a wrist strap style for whatever reason. They're just they're more accurate, more into the shot. Um, it just it seems to work out better for them. The hard part is just making that jump and, and switching from something that they've been used to or that they've been taught to shoot with their whole life. Yeah, I agree. I, my, my funny story about that is when I, when I first – I was working in an archery shop. This is probably in 2007 or 2008. And um, our archery pro there, who is Jay James. I don't know if you're familiar. You know Jay oh, James? Yeah. You yep. know Jay? Yep. yep, I sure do. He yep. was actually our guest on um, – he's you know I don't know if you know, but he's now with Bear Archery as a regional sales manager, um, he, he was our archery pro at the store and we worked together for several years and, and he's always kind of been my, uh, mentor, at least on the gear side of things. Um, I was obviously big into bow hunting when I went to work for an archery shop and all that kind of stuff. But as far as like trying out new gear and, and really a lot of the stuff that I've grown to has become just my go-to, uh, equipment, were just different things that Jay would get into the shop and have me try out and uh, recommend. And, and a thumb thing, a thumb release, button release, was was his doing. He was like, you need to you need to start shooting this thing. Like, this is going to make you a better shooter and blah, blah, blah. And so I shot it for a while, and I shot it plenty. I mean, I was, I, I was really comfortable with it, and it did improve my shooting, and I was, I was excited about it, and I finally – you know, went out and hunted with it. And this was literally one of the first times I ever got in a tree stand with it. Because I switched to it during the season. And so um, I shot with it a bunch and, you know, just kind of back and forth until I was completely comfortable to actually hunt with it. I went and got in a stand. I was on the bank of the Mississippi River. And I it was a kind of during the rut. And uh, uh, it was an eight point, And he came following a doe exactly like they were supposed to running parallel with the riverbank he came to about 18 yards stopped broadside and i grabbed i grabbed my release and when i went to draw i had my thumb around the button you know the thing you don't do and uh, you know i i knew it it was like one of the first things i started training myself not to do when i started shooting this release but i got to half draw and you know, of course, the bow goes off. My hand comes back, hits me in the nose, busts my nose, almost not. I'm in a climbing stand. It just about knocked me out of the stand because, I mean, my nose is bleeding everywhere. And in the moment, I had no earthly idea what happened. Like, I thought my bow blew up <laughs> mid-draw because I didn't know what happened. I just knew that I'm looking at this deer, and I'm halfway through my draw cycle, and everything just goes chaos, you know. And I'm like, what? And I, it, it kind of knocked me back, and I just sat down. And you know how when you get hit in the nose, your eyes get all watery, and you can't, you got to kind of gather yourself. And during this process, I was managed to hang my bow up, sat down, and uh, was like, what in the world just happened? I looked at my bow. I'm checking out my bow, trying to figure out what what happened. And uh, looked down, the deer still standing there. I ended up killing him actually <laughs> the arrow because it didn't I, bother him so much. It, he was so locked on that doe i ended up shooting him and killing him he he actually made a move but i ended up getting another shot at him but uh that's the only time i've ever done that and it, it was the first time i ever drew at a deer with that release but in the years since i am like i've tried even this year um my son is 14 now and i'm shooting his bow and trying to help him you know uh shoot his broadheads and make sure everything's good for the season and i'm out there trying to shoot with his wrist strap and i just i'm i am like flinching so big and shoot like it was bad like i i can't shoot a wrist strap anymore like i just i can't do it like i just jump i i, I rush the shot and everything so that uh that was i wanted to ask that that's i don't know about 
about you guys, but that's really surprising to me. I was expecting you to tell me that the expandable broadheads were way outperforming the fixed blades. I really was. Yeah, well, the only thing is is that the only reason why I could see it being the other way is because right now, you know, everybody's shooting the, the heavy arrow, fixed blade, all that. That's yeah. the trend now. So that might have something to do with it. Well, I don't know. I think, and there's still some, in some places, from a from a uh, nationwide perspective, there's still some places, I think, that don't allow expandables. And there's some private property owners, you know, outfitters and stuff that won't allow them. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of fading away. Those things are changing. But I know up a few years ago, it wasn't that uncommon for certain areas of the country and places you go, they wouldn't even allow you to shoot expandable broadheads. So mm-hmm. that's that's different. We had a question, and Joe, I'm going to get you to kind of opine on this question. We, we do this with every podcast. We try to kind of interject questions that we get on our social media and stuff. To are Not always questions. Sometimes they're just topics that people want us to just kind of talk about. Um, someone asked about heavier and lighter arrow setups and um, – Switching to, or I'm I'm sorry, you know, what is in your opinion, you know, what is the what is the driving factor or belief behind behind the heavier arrow versus a faster lighter arrow? Why is that a trend? Hey guys, hunting season is finally upon us. We're starting to feel some of that fall weather, and if you've had some success or you're expecting to, and you're looking for taxidermy work, contact our friend Brian Anders at the Taxidermy Shop. Located at 2582 Highway 48, Liberty, Mississippi. Conveniently located right in between Centerville, Liberty, and Gloucester. Whether you're chasing deer and ducks in the fall, big gobblers in the spring, or you land that trophy fish, give Brian Anders a call at the Taxidermy Shop at 601-248-6945. The Taxidermy Shop is family-owned and operated, not too big, not too small, offering quality work in a timely manner. Call Brian Anders at the Taxidermy Shop, 601 601- Two four eight six nine four five, or check them out on Instagram at the Taxidermy Shop. Oh, geez, what a topic! Mm-hmm. My goodness. <laughs> uh, um, you know, I don't, I don't really have an opinion on that, just because I've always been with my normal, normal setup. Uh, never really tried a super heavy arrow. Uh, my take on it is going to be: if you make a good shot, you're going to get the animal. Um, it's it's just one of those things. I don't know. There's people who are argue with you all day long about it. Heavier arrows better, light arrows better. My thing is just it's it's shot placement. Uh, make a good shot, and that takes care of ninety five percent of the problem. So yeah, yeah. But, my, my yeah, I, I don't I don't even want to get into to, <laughs> to that on my opinion. But I'll listen to you guys talk about it. <laughs> well, the only yeah, the only thing I'll say is. I guess I'll kind of give my opinion but and my reason, but I prefer a faster lighter just because, you know, most of the, I mean, I'm primarily hunting down here in Louisiana and some of these deer are kind of spooky and I've had a couple jump arrow strings. And so me personally, I would just rather like the fastest setup I could get. And, you know, you practice to make the right shot. You don't, I'd rather just have a, a faster arrow setup and and not have a setup that's like, oh well, if I shoot it through the shoulder or whatever, the fixed blades got me covered or whatever. That's mm-hmm. that's my take on it. That's why I shoot lighter and faster. Levi, are you awake? I am awake. What's I'm your take on the subject? Observing. Um, I've I've shot heavy and light arrows at whitetails now. Heavy and light errors, in my opinion, it depends on kind of what you're hunting. You know, if you're up in Alaska or something hunting moose, then, yeah, you probably do need a heavier error with a bigger broadhead with a bigger cut on it. But one huge benefit of shooting a lighter error, like Colin says, that he didn't mention is, you know, just say, like, judging yardage. You know, just say a a deer runs in at, at 27 yards and on a doe and draws back sees you kind of spooks and it hops out there 15 yards and you got to make a quick decision you don't have time to range it and if you're shooting a fast arrow and you say oh the deer's you know he hopped out there and he's at 42 now 
for instance, and you judge him at 40 with a fast arrow, you're going to be good. Or if you judge him at 38, just, I'm just using this for example. I'm not saying it's totally accurate, but if you're shooting a real slow arrow, the, the further out you get, the bigger pin gap you're going to have. And it makes you have to be very cognizant of being at the correct yardage. The exact yard. Yeah. It's a very uh, good point. So I think that my my opinion really is kind of founded in I'm on I'm I'm with Team Joe here because I've said in a bunch of different times we've had different conversations about this that when it comes right down to it it's the shot you you know yep. like all this broadhead types and and gear discussions and arrow weights and all that kind of stuff. It doesn't matter if you don't make a good shot, and if you're making gear and setup choices based off of trying to compensate for poor execution, you're yeah. kind of starting off at the and, and you're, you're you're starting off going wrong. About it wrong. You're yeah. going about it way Absolutely. wrong anyway. So if you're yep. if you're choosing you know a heavier um, arrow setup or a certain broadhead setup because not for you know. Um, confidence and execution reasons but for just in case i make a bad shot this is still going to get the job done i don't really like that way of thinking and so you know like i said i kind of my my foundational opinion about that kind of lines up with what joe said about really the focus should be on making the good shot but a lot of my reasoning would would kind of line up with what levi said and to just kind of make a a side point to the the point that you made levi to me all of those things are valid points, and what they all come down to is it's less for me to have to deal with in the moment, and it puts more emphasis and focus on that shot execution and less on pin gap and arrow drop and all that. Um, the faster, lighter arrow setup is gives me more performance. It gives me more confidence, and it's less it's less compensation that I have to make in yardage adjustments and stuff like that because it's a flatter arrow. And with that being said, I don't necessarily try to set myself up to have the fastest, lightest arrow possible. I don't really pay a lot of attention to that. I want my bow to perform to an expectation that I am very comfortable with it at realistic yardages. And let's just be honest. I mean, yeah, we can talk about special hunts, special big game hunts where different equipment may be more applicable. But for this listening audience and for the sake of this podcast, we're all hunting whitetail deer in in yep. Louisiana and neighboring states and you know just around the country in general we're hunting whitetail deer and we're hunting them from probably from elevated tree stand setups from 40 yards and in you know and yep. so there's not that much diversity in in what our primary objective is so uh yep. you know and I think we we touched on it on the first ep- maybe the first or second episode that we did this year uh it's when it all comes down to it, and that plays to Joe's point that he made, it's all about confidence. I mean, if you're if you got confidence in your setup, you're comfortable with it. Yep. I mean, you're gonna be a lot more deadly. That's what it comes down to. Yeah. So. So let's get well, back. Let's say Joel Joel Maxfield with Matthews. I'm sure, you guys have heard of him. He's mm-hmm. you know, killed numerous animals. He has some great actual you know data on his Facebook from various tests he's done. And he gets, you know, right down to the wire. He's, he's tested everything. So somebody is interested on that debate and wanting to see some actual data, I would definitely follow him on Facebook and, and look at some of the posts he's made. He's got, you know, the, the, the best tests and, and data that I've seen so far on that subject. That's good info. I'm a, I'm a big Joe, Joe Maxfield fan. I actually sent him a message trying to get him to do the podcast. I, he, he never responded, and I, I'm sure he is. I know he is a busy, busy, busy man. So I didn't didn't take it as a slight or anything. So hopefully, maybe one one year, or sometime we could get him on because he is he's an interesting guy. That man has killed a lot of animals with a bow. Yeah, got to have lots of knowledge. Has to. Yep, absolutely. Well. Let's let's jump back into the release conversation a minute. Levi, talk about you, – you had mentioned to me that you wanted to talk a little bit about anchor points and get Joe's feedback on that. Yeah, we had a, a Instagram question, and Joe, I guess I'll just ask you. Uh, I mean, it's, it's kind of obvious, but um, 
I think it was Shane Bowler that submitted it. Uh, different anchor points between your type of releases. You know, you got your wrist strap and your thumb button and your hinge. I guess kind of, could you kind of just kind of run through, It's I guess, maybe what your anchor ports are like in between the different releases since you basically do this for a living? Yeah, so, you know, with with our releases, we always take into account um, draw length um, when we're designing them with the jaws on the rear strap or the, the hook on the, the thumb buttons or the hinges, whatever. We want to try to maximize your draw length, which what we were talking about earlier was speed, to get the most speed. Um, so with, with our hinges and all of our thumb buttons, your, your anchor point, we try to get those very close, if not identical, from one to the other. Um, now, wrist strap, it's always going to be a little bit different. Um, but, but yeah, we, we try to keep those similar um, throughout all of our releases. It seems yeah. like with the handhelds, though, you're always going to be able to get a little bit longer draw length and a, a little bit more speed out of your bow, that kind of thing. So for people who, who haven't tried different releases um, and are – you know, kind of thinking about it, but haven't actually tested it out. You know, let's take the guy that's using a wrist strap release currently and is thinking about going to a handheld button style release. Uh, can you kind of break down what the, like physically, what his anchor point change is going to be to actually shoot that release correctly? I mean, it, it varies a little bit uh, from release to release, but I think generally speaking, um, uh, going from a rear strap to a handheld, his draw length is going to be, it's going to be a little bit short. It's not going to feel, you know, like his left arm, if he's a right-handed shooter, his left arm is going to be bent a little bit when he's a full draw. Um, he's going to need to lengthen his draw length a little bit. Um, you know, is that, is that kind of what you're asking or? Yeah, that, and I was also, I mean, do you recommend certain best practices on hand placement as far as like, with the jaw and ear and, and all that kind of thing. And, or, or, I mean, I, I know that I do it a little bit differently and maybe that's just, uh, something that I do to be comfortable and maybe I'm not even doing it right. But I mean, for me, I know my anchor positioning on my face, not just from draw length, but just from the angle of my hand and all kind of changed a little bit. There's so many different ones. Like I've always been taught my dad, Brian Jones, he's, he's shot on, on all these pro circuits. He's taught me everything I know, but, I've always been taught, you know, your the tip of your nose needs to be, you know, right on the string. That's how you know, you know, everything's good to go. But then you've got you've got other guys. Let's just take uh, one of our pro staffers, Braden Gillantine, for example. His anchor point is different than anybody you would ever see. His peep sight is all the way up by his right eye. I mean, it's almost touching. Um, but I mean, there's just there's so many different ones. I don't want to say there's a right and a wrong. Um, anchor point it's just all about what's comfortable to you and what works yeah and what you can do consistently right exactly um i'll i'll add this in lock about anchor points to kind of talking to shane's question a little bit you know i obviously just about everybody starts out with a wrist strap uh one thing that kind of made me switch to a thumb button is as we get later in the year you know if you're wearing gloves or anything like that and y'all will know exactly what I'm talking about when I say it, but if you're using a, a wrist strap all summer practicing uh, just in the summertime and you get a little bit later on in the season and, you, and you're wearing gloves and you got the wrist strap on over a glove, some people don't do that, some people do, but it tends to change your anchor point just a little bit to where – you know, you may get drawn back if you don't really ever practice like that. It it may feel a little bit uncomfortable, and you'll kind of find yourself dancing your anchor point kind of around on your face. At least I do. Um, I, uh, yeah. That's just me, personal experience. Uh, with the thumb button, as you put it on your string, me personally, I, I find that I get a lot more consistent anchor point whether I got gloves on or don't or whatever throughout the throughout the year, I can get a more consistent anchor point, I guess. So I well, you know, Michael Pepper picks on me online and tells me that I stole some homeless person's gloves because I wear the 
fingerless gloves <laughs> so that, so that I don't you know I, I just don't like I don't like having gloves over my hands for that reason like it just changes the yep. feel I don't like yep. that at all um let's talk a little bit about sites and what kind of different sites you guys offer and I guess uh maybe a little bit Joe into kind of the uh the the research and product development that's going on in the site market uh yeah yeah so you know, our sites, our site line, something we're expanding on. We offer, you know, several different hunting sites, uh, a few different targeting 3D sites, that kind of thing. Um, there's just so much that goes into those things. That's what I spent a lot of this year doing. Uh, most of my time has actually been spent over uh, in the, our site room with our production manager, Marty Cecil, um, who knows probably more than anybody I've ever met about sites, just learning that stuff. There's just so much more to that than uh, anything else we do, really. So much more to building a site than, than I think what people realize. Um, and the design stuff, again, that, that's Brian. That's my dad. It's, that's what he does. So uh, I'm still trying to trying to learn all that. But, uh, yeah, we, we've got several different ones, you know, from a fixed site to which is really what your typical whitetail hunter, that's all he needs. He does not need a gear-driven, you know, site that goes out to 100, 120 yards. It's cool to have. I shoot one, but do I need one? No. Um, you know, the, that fixed sight, you become standard as a four pin, 20, 30, 40, 50 yard pins. Of course, you can set those on whatever you want. Um, but so we've got that. That's kind of your price point level side. I think it retails for around 130. And then, you, you know, you're going to step up to your, your gear driven uh, rise hunter, which um, if you do need to adjust your site quick that's a great site to have because it's got our real system on the side where you just grab that and turn it and you can go from i don't know 20 yards to 60 yards just in a split second uh there's single pin options multi pins some people are using a lens now um so we've got all those options for people like that small housing uh we've got an xl housing uh, we offer i think four different um, sizes of pin right now as well as, well as four colors uh, so there's just so many different ways to customize sites and, and make something that fits everybody it feels to me like there is a kind of a trend in the hunting market going towards single pin slider gear driven sites are y'all seeing that or is that just for some reason i've got that perception in my yeah mind? no definitely def- definitely seeing that um typically there's in releases, for example, you're going to sell way more of your price point release than you are your upper end release, just you know, just because. But with the sites, it's not really that way. People are willing to, to pay a little bit more um, to get that adjustability, whether they need it or not. It's one of those things. It's cool to have. Um, and, and another trend, you know, we're we're seeing more and more people are going to a single pin site uh, versus a three, four, five pin. Uh, slider and i think that's really because these bows are so fast these days there's really not a lot of need to have multiple pins uh i mean you got bows shooting what 330 340 now uh i mean it's just crazy you, you really would never need more than one pin if you got a bow shooting that fast yeah i i i went to a single pin site years ago and I I don't know if you feel this way or if you hear this from some of your customers and, you know, just your exposure to the market, but just the simplicity and not having the clutter of multi-pins seems to be a hot topic. And I know for me it's a big deal. I I pick up someone else's bow or my son's bow or whatever and and, and I'm shooting and and I, it's, it's a, it's, you don't really realize it until you get away from it and go back. The sight picture is so different and so to me just so much more simple with single pin housing that makes sense i mean it definitely does um i've always just been stuck in my ways as far as a hunting site goes four pin 20 30 40 50 um with my you know my bottom pin being my my floater uh that's just i've never actually gave a single pin hunting site a good a good run and a good test and that kind of thing uh, of course 3d and, and target archery yeah you're going to shoot a a single pin scope or, or a dot or something like that. So I could see where, um, you know, that single pin would benefit you on the hunting side of it as well. Yeah. Yeah. 
I, 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 it, it, it makes my shooting better because it's just less clutter in the sight picture. And it's just, again, I go back to like when we were talking about kind of the, the concepts behind the heavier and the lighter arrows and just being confident and having less noise, so to speak. I'm using noise in a, a, a weird way there, but just less going on and more focused just on shot execution. And uh, that's, to, in my in my in my opinion, like for me personally, that's another one of those factors where I'm not deciphering through multiple pins or worrying about pin gap or anything like that. Um, I'm real comfortable in knowing, you know, how to adjust for ranges. And I've just got one pin in the sight picture, you know. Yeah. And, uh, I think that, so this year, or up until this year, I was shooting like the a three pin. And I just had a 20, 30, 40. But I switched, I made my setup faster this year. And so, like we're talking about the clutter, my, like my 20 and my 30 were so close together, it was just cluttering it up. And so I switched to a single pin dial and it's, immediately I'm just like, wow, this is just so much better. The only, I guess the only thing, if you are one of those guys that shoots like the heavy setup or whatever and you have a lot of pin gap and you are shooting a fixed pin sight. Once you you'll spread your pins out, and I guess might not be as cluttered. But if you're shooting fast, I, I don't. Yeah. I definitely recommend like a, a single pin slider. Joe, one of the things that we do often on this podcast that honestly I usually do when we when we do the kind of the introduction to to our guest uh, that I kind of breezed right past. So I'm going to jump on it now. We oftentimes ask people to kind of tell us. What they're about their setup, you know, what bow you shooting, how you got it set up, your arrow broadhead set up, and and to go along with that, have you made any adjustments to that setup from last year to this year, and why? It's just kind of something we like to kind of get an inventory of what people are shooting. Yeah, so my setup, uh, my bow, it's a Matthews Traverse. I think it's thirty three inch axle to axle. Came out a few years ago, just never switched because. Haven't had a need to. It's it's just been a great shooting bow for me. Uh, I'm shooting our compounder sight with uh, a four pin multi pin housing. Um, shooting our Versa thumb button release, the multi sear thumb button release, um, three finger. Uh, my broadhead. I've got a couple different broadheads in my quiver. I actually had to order some longer arrows this year just in case I wanted to. Uh, to try to pull out our new 125 grain fixed blade D-Struck Max. Uh, I'm dying to shoot something with it. Uh, so I keep one of those in my quiver, and I got the longer arrows just to allow for that extra space between my arrow and my riser. Um, and I believe, shoot, as far as arrows go, I just ordered whatever Lancaster had in stock, and that was fleshed already. <laughs> <laughs> so I think I've got some gold pit pro hunters is what I ended up going with. So yeah. I'm loving it. Every, everything's working great so far. I've just uh, need some luck. Need to yeah. need to get to put it to use here in the next couple of weeks. Have you have you been able to do any hunting yet this year? I think I went three or four times. Uh, had a had a pretty good sit last night. I I don't know. Probably had 20 does um, come out all together, and there was a, a couple eight pointers that, that walked walked by me, just not quite big enough. They were probably I don't know. 120 inches or so and we've got we've got a few good deer running around on the farm so i'm i'm holding out a little bit longer before before i pull the trigger do you have any trips planned for other states this season this year this year i do not we've been so busy i just had uh had a little one here a couple weeks ago so i'm trying to stay closer to home and and hunt here in kentucky might take a trip uh, across the river to ohio to uh to our our farm up there and uh try to shoot one if i get some time that's what i'm hoping well i've never i've never hunted in ohio and i've only turkey hunted in kentucky those are both states that are on my list to to uh what 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 in your in your neck of the woods what's an what's an average mature buck scoring oh man it it's really it's hard to say um i think kentucky's a little bit slept on um Let's just say, for example, and this doesn't happen every year. I've got a ten-year-old son, Bryson. Uh, this year, 
And last year he hunted this deer as well. He's a big eight-pointer, good mature eight-pointer. I think this year he was probably right around six years old. Um, he was 167 inches as an eight-pointer. Uh, so, I mean, you've got deer like that up here. You've got some not-so-big deer. Um, there's been 200 inches killed here in the county. But as far as on average goes, a mature deer, 150 to 160, I would think, in, in this part yeah, that's, of that's Kentucky. So. <laughs> That's still pretty good. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's there's some big deer here for sure. Yeah. Um, so we had a listener question that I was going to skip over, but as we start to wrap up on the podcast, I'm just going to throw this out there so that we can just kind of all – I know what the answer is going to be because it's just – I hate to I hate to be uh, rude in any way. But someone asked, has switching to a broadhead similar to a Grim Reaper or a G5 – meat mega meat which I, i'm assuming they're just saying expandable broadhead yeah as opposed to a fixed position um does that have you taking shots that you normally wouldn't and i mean i y'all can opine however you want but no i would hope not <laughs> i would hope not um i mean the shot placement is the same no matter what it's you know you hopefully that your broadhead is um compatible with your setup and well performing but you still got to make the same shot i don't i don't know if that there's much more to say about that i think Um, if that's the way somebody thinks about it i think they're going to wound a lot of deer yeah um somebody asked for us to uh to kind joe to kind of have you um i guess give a little bit more detail about um the xo the the xo2 and the meg broadheads what's some kind of the design features and uh, and all that uh, thought behind those broadheads that you guys have, those are the expandables. So, yeah, yeah. So with our expandables, you know, one thing that's, that's great—they're made in America. That's that's one thing that gets overlooked quite a bit these days. Um, they are made in America. They're really high quality broadheads. Um, the XO2 and XO3. Uh, well, really, most of our broadheads are 100% stainless steel. Uh, the only ones that are not are the Meg 100. Uh, that's an aluminum ferrule. Um, but the the really cool feature about our broadheads is how the blades lock in place. Um, so there's there's pretty much like a a little tower on each side of the ferrule, and the blades just click into place. You don't have a rubber band or a collar or anything like that that you have to worry about falling off or pulling it out of your quiver and it's dry rotted and gone. It's just you know the the broadheads are what they are. You, close the blades they're going to stay shut uh they're they're really good broadheads uh, but yeah uh the, the best thing about them is is how well they fly i think we're able to with that design we were able to make them such a low profile uh, i mean even a three blade broadhead which is typically going to be quite a bit bigger of a of a profile and we create more drag ours don't those blades are sitting so close to the the, the tip of the ferrule um, it just allows them to, to be that low profile and fly quite a bit better than than a lot of broadheads. Very cool. Well, um, I am I'm excited to see. Uh, I, I should be at the ATA show, and if I am, I'll make sure to come by and, and uh, talk with you and introduce myself. I'm I'm excited to see what you guys have new coming up this year, and. It just encourage people to go out to b3archery.com. Um, I'm sure you guys are pretty widely distributed in the retail market as well. Am I, am I right about that? That's right. Yeah, Lancaster uh, Sportsman's Warehouse. There's uh, several Cabela's and Bass Pro stores um, that are carrying our products. And, of course, the best place uh, to get our stuff, your local dealer. Um, I know you mentioned Jay James there. I don't believe he's with the archery shop anymore, but, man, he had a great shop down there in Louisiana. Uh, there's there's several several great dealers that carry our products you know throughout the united states and really worldwide now so definitely stop in check them out test them out um and and give us a call if you have any questions about our products at all well levi colin do y'all have any more questions for joe before i start to wrap up um i had one uh one of our one of our loyal followers the recreational chef had a uh the recreational chef. <laughs> yeah. He, it's an awesome name. 
He said, what broadheads did deer like the most? <laughs> yeah, I would say none of them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, un, uh, untuned broadhead or yeah. untuned air yeah. with the... <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I would yeah, think... It, that doesn't fly very good, I would think. I would think yeah. on, a, on, on a very uh, kind of demented way of, of thinking of it, I guess if a deer had to make this, you know, unenviable <laughs> choice... He would rather a really sharp broadhead than a really dull broadhead. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I don't know. Uh, yeah, so anyway. Well, Joe, we we greatly appreciate your time to come on and talk to us a little bit about what you guys are doing at B3 and a little bit about just archery and your hunting season. We wish you a lot of luck, and thank you so much for taking the time, man. Appreciate you guys. Uh, all of us at B3, we really appreciate the your time and appreciate you having me on here uh we'll get you guys some products to test and hopefully hopefully kill some deer with this this winter yeah we'll uh we'll do that and we'll we'll post uh, our stuff out there and um show people you know what the gear and use and and what kind of results we're having from it be glad to do that and um just remind you with that being said go to b3archery.com and you can see all of these products that we've been talking about find out more about them and like joe said if you got any questions just reach out and and ask and as far as louisiana bow hunter goes we talked a little bit in the beginning about the october giveaway you got a couple of days left this month to uh i know there's some products out there some gear swag if you will that you've been eyeing go ahead and buy it get in the drawing for the grid light jacket from scree and a louisiana bow hunter hat and um uh, as well as uh follow the community page our facebook community page and um we'll be dropping a lot of information there and and uh communicate with other community members about what's going on talk bow hunting talk archery the season has been a good season so far uh joe we asked you about your hunting up in kentucky but down here man we've had really good weather for october in louisiana this year and we are seeing a ton of deer being killed so uh it's been a great start to the season so just thank people for that encourage you to keep posting your pictures and your stories and sending us your questions and topics for the for the podcast and following along and uh as halloween approaches i hope you get gummy bears in your halloween bag and um colin and i will be hitting the road and heading to kansas uh early next week so we'll be recording a podcast up there during our hunt and um got some new gear coming out be on the lookout for that uh ask your local retailer if they don't have louisiana bow hunter gear ask them about it see if we can't get some stuff in their shops but be checking on those stores that you've seen our gear in in the past we're we're getting inventory out there so uh if you're looking for a new hat if your buddy bloodied up your louisiana bow hunter hat get you a new one if you shoot a spike with a crossbow send me a picture i got a special prize for you <laughs> um all of those things and thank you so much for listening we'll talk to you next week Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Louisiana Bowhunter Podcast. If you have anybody you'd like to hear on the show, reach out to us at info at louisianabowhunter.com. And if you want to help support Louisiana Bowhunter, go by your local archery shop and pick up some merchandise. If you don't have any at your local shop, let us know and we'll reach out to them. Or pick up your gear at louisianabowhunter.com and we'll ship it out to you same day. See you next week.